When I was younger, aliens invaded, and I was terrified. But then I saw you. Fighting aliens with a stick and a string. That's how you jump from that building, even though you can't fly. Even though you don't have superpowers. And I thought, if he could do that, then I didn't have to be scared. You showed me that being a hero isn't just for people who can fly or shoot lasers out of their hands. It's for anyone who is brave enough to do what's right, no matter the cost. I'm ready. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. That was good form. But you did a really cool body throw. Yeah, thank, yeah. You. thank you. Stop making me like you. I'm sorry, I can't help it. Clint, this is my mess to clean up. You should go home. You should be with your family. You can still make it in time for Christmas. Kate, you're my partner. Your mess is my mess. I'm not going anywhere until this is finished. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Marvelous Musings. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Carl LeClaire, and I'm joined by my partner, am I right? It's Katie Horn. <laughs> yes, partners, am I right? Yes, I'm here. We should, we should, what should we call me? Lady, lady, lady Hawk? Lady, Lady Eve? Uh, Hawk Eve? It's, like, have, it's yeah. like Hawkeye. <laughs> no, sorry. I have an idea, and that accused yeah. of the Hawkeye theme. <laughs> Oh my goodness, Katie, I'm so excited to be back. I'm so excited to talk about Hawkeye. I absolutely loved this show off Disney Plus. Um, and I have so many thoughts, lots of feelings. Uh, and there's nobody I love talking about Marvel with more than you. So I'm excited to be back. Um, <laughs> and uh, to all of you joining us for this Hawkeye discussion, right off the bat, uh, obviously, spoilers ahead, we are going to talk about all the ins and outs of this series. So if you've not watched it, recommend coming back after you have. So, uh, yeah, like, uh, what's what's better than watching a Christmas show in February? <laughs> that's, that's what everybody wants. The Christmas energy, and for someone like myself who is absolutely obsessed with the Christmas season, uh, Katie, this just hit every right chord. Uh, I, I just <laughs> I couldn't be happier with this show, uh, and having I've this is second only to Wandavision, both for preference and the amount of times I've watched it. I've watched this series, I think. Uh, this past weekend was my fourth time watching through it. So I really, oh, like wow. It. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's that advantage of six episodes and none of them being terribly long. So. That's true. Yeah. I've, I've watched it through twice. I'm not as hardcore. Yeah, as I, you, I, don't, I don't know if that's the right word, Katie, but I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm the kind of person who, you know, in the middle of June, I'll be like, da, 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 da. And my beloved would be like, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be like, I'll be like, hey, you keep Christmas in your <laughs> keep Christmas in your heart all the year, okay? <laughs> I'm just insufferable like that. I don't know. I don't know about you. Well, I'm also insufferable, and I the only people that have to put up it with that in my life are my two cats, and they can't. Oh, so <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> they don't care. Um, so you're like well, putting little Christmas sweaters on them, uh, you know, maybe then they'll care. Katie, <laughs> I want to so much, but it's, it's so funny. Like not, we're obviously not talking Hawkeye at all at this point. Um, but <laughs> I always feel bad for pets when, when people, and I, I don't mean this to be rude to anyone who does this, but 
for the people that dress up their pets and the pets clearly hate it just so they can get a cute photo. It's like, I just like to take cute photos of my pets <laughs> being themselves. Like that's when they're being their cutest. So um, that's just me. I, I, I get the desire, but I'm not going to do that to my cats. They don't want it. Carl, we're so off topic, but you're <laughs> going to love Peacemaker because that's a whole plot point is dressing animals in cute clothes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just so excited. I can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait to start that show next. Um, but Katie. All right. So Hawkeye. So Hawkeye. Uh, how did you get introduced to that character? I mean, what, what's your where's your where'd your Hawkeye story begin? Oh, Hawkeye. 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 All right. So I actually have a couple things to say here because. All right. My introduction to him was, uh, well, with the, the Thor movie, you know, watching the MCU as it came out the way that I did, uh, I was introduced to him the way, you know, most of us are introduced to him. Are, not most of us. I shouldn't say that. Not everybody's, you know, Marvel story is the same. But, you know, uh, Hawkeye showing up in the Thor movie, like, as his debut, I think that's a lot way a lot of people, you know, came to his character. And, you know, I wasn't all that interested in, or invested. I was like, all right, guy with bow and arrow. Don't really <laughs> care. You know, next. I was way more interested in seeing like Thor and Loki. You know, those are way more my type. But my beloved, all right, my my sweet, sweet Nathan loves him a bow and arrow. Okay. He <laughs> loves Robin Hood. That was like his Ooh. favorite. You know, when you're a kid, you have yeah. like a thing, yeah. right? He was all about Robin Hood and just thought that that was the coolest and so he was like, look at me. You are going to care about this guy with the bow and arrow. And I'm like, all right, all right. I'll care. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I thought he was all right. I was, I was like, okay, guy with bow and arrow. I, I didn't become invested until Age of Ultron where they make the reveal, oh, he's got a wife and kids. And mm. I'm like, okay, I'm invested. All right, I care. Like, that was so smart, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, and and that was such a again not that I'm in any way a Marvel expert, especially with the comics, but I know that that was a huge departure for the MCU to make for Clint Barton. Like he he mm -hmm. in the comics does not have a wife and family. Um, no, I think he, he kind of from what I understand, because I'm also not an expert. From what I understand, he kind of you know <laughs> sleeps around and yeah yeah. <laughs> I know he's not that that family guy well, in the uh, comics. I remember I and again I just I read this somewhat recently just poking around to know more about Clint Barton. Apparently, though, in one of the comic runs, he does, I don't know if he marries, but he does have a relationship with an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, which is what they allude to at the end of this series. So his wife, Laura, was in fact, according to the, even in the MCU, she was formerly a, uh, an agent in S.H.I.E.L.D. So that is true to the comics, apparently. So I didn't know that until recently. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, well, I, I mean, as you know, as, as I've revealed before, I'm still somewhat new to I think I just passed my yeah, I've just passed my one year anniversary of falling in love with the MCU. So, yay. Um, so, oh, right. Yeah. Didn't Wanda, WandaVision came WandaVision, out WandaVision, this yeah. time of year. Yep. Yeah. So it was WandaVision that that's that obviously captured me. And uh, mm -hmm. so my first introduction to, to Hawkeye, I mean, I, I was aware of who he was because I had seen the originals original Avengers when it came out um but you know i wasn't really into marvel at the time so when i started my re my, kind of this watch through of the mcu the, the the you know my friends i was like oh what what movie should i watch if i want to know more about you know 
uh, Wanda and Vision, and they're like, we've got to start with Age of Ultron. Yep. I yep. loved – that was the movie where I actually kind of fell in love with Clint Barton because I love that scene when he and Wanda are – you know, they're hiding out and he basically – he gives her that little pump-up speech where he's like, if you go out there, you're an Avenger. And I was like, yes, I want to be an oh, Avenger yeah. with you, Clint. So like that was I like – I want to make him proud of me. Yeah. So <laughs> I was in right away. Um, yes. So yeah, I it, it just absolutely loved him. And, and one of my really good friends, that's – Hawkeye's his favorite Avenger. Uh, so it's been really fun, like just chatting with him about what he loves about the character. And he introduced me relatively early once I started declaring my love for Hawkeye, which was to the disdain of some of my other friends. Cause <laughs> you know, Oh, he's got a bow and arrow. Yeah. That's why he's awesome. Cause he's not superhuman. Um, but be that as it may. So my friend lent me the, uh, oh my gosh, the last name is Fraction, but it's the the comic series that this TV show is kind of based off of. Um, is it Adam Fraction? Darn it. I should have done my homework. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> um, but uh, I didn't love it. But that then le- quickly led me to uh, Kelly Thompson, who has quickly become my favorite comic writer. Uh, Kelly Thompson did her own run on Kate Bishop's Hawkeye. And it's just it's a th- it's a three run um, trade series. And it is amazing. Uh, the heart in it, the wit. I've never laughed so hard reading almost anything, let alone a comic book. I mean, Kelly Thompson is just so good at writing Kate Bishop. And that translated so perfect. Like that was who Haley Steinfeld was. She was the perfect Kate Bishop, like just the sass and the wit were so on point. Um, so do you think I'm curious? So you're like, Oh, she's so good at, at writing Kate Bishop. I don't know if you, if you can quite put into words what about the, the writing or the, the take on the character speaks to you, but uh, I don't know. Do you have any concrete thoughts on that? I'm curious. I think what, well, so the, the first trade comic is called anchor points. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Kate is she's moved out to Venice Beach, California, and she's going to be the Hawkeye of the West Coast because like, right, she she and Clint are still they're both Hawkeye. She knows that. So she's going to go be the West Coast Hawkeye. And she's also looking for her dad. She's trying to uncover like the mysteries of her family. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. when she's out there, she's looking for these. She calls them anchor points. So for an archer, apparently they're they're these steady things that you can always rely on. And there's a moment she quickly starts like acquiring these friends that are really quite lovely characters. And at one point she looks at them and she internally says, I finally found my anchor points. I'm like, yes. Cause Aww, like, cause, that's nice. I mean, it, that's not a unique theme in a lot of storytelling, like something like that. But I was like, yes, I love this Kate yeah. Bishop. Um, that is really nice. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, that definitely, that definitely did it for me. And also it, again, just to, sidestep if if you're interested in comics kelly thompson's current black widow run is also incredible um so yeah kelly thompson is just a phenomenal comic comic author so that's been my favorite (laughs) um but yeah so uh, katie i'm curious when you watched the show um i know Mm -hmm. we were each watching it week to week but what was just kind of your general you know when, when you finished watching through it what was just kind of your general takeaway well, I remember during the process of watching it, I was thinking, if Clint doesn't make it home for Christmas, mm. I'm going to riot in the streets, okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will burn everything to the ground if he doesn't make it home for Christmas. <laughs> that, so that was my feelings, uh, you know, as we were watching. Um, gosh, you know, this is... Uh, 
I'm sorry, Carl, but I remember my strongest feeling after the last episode was I was really upset about Kingpin getting shot. <laughs> sure. That's right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Don't be. I, I've, I've come to, I've come to um, set that feeling like aside and, you know, on, on second, on rewatch, you know, I, I appreciate more of what the ending was doing and I was able to absorb more of what it was saying and, and of course, you know, we can talk about that and dig into all of that. But that specific question of what was my takeaway the, the first time I watched this, I was just so upset <laughs> that Kingpin got shot <laughs> because uh, I, I didn't know that apparently that's something that happens in the comics. And, you know, it, it's going, you know, to, to possibly lead to more stuff with his character at the time, I interpreted him getting shot as like actually us closing the book on his character and being like, you know, the Daredevil thing was its own thing. And the MCU, you know, this was like a goodbye to him, an epilogue or a farewell that he wouldn't have necessarily gotten, you know, except that Disney now owns everything. You know, well, yeah. that's how I <laughs> interpreted that. And I was very upset about it. And then I got all sorts of mixed feelings when the internet immediately told me, no, those feelings are invalid and wrong because it's something that happens in the comics and aren't you ignorant for not knowing that? It made me feel very bad, actually, because I was like, I shouldn't have to read the comics to understand what's happening, right? I don't know. It was a very weird time for me. Yeah, no. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Um, Well, what do I think about that particular point? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like you, Katie, I also I I was kind of surprised because I was like, wow, I can't believe, you know, they brought Vincent D'Onofrio back and now he's dead. (laughs) Like I was I was kind of like, (laughs) just like, well, well, dang, that kind of stinks. And then like you, I I saw the hubbub of like, oh, this actually happens in the comics. He gets shot and he's he comes back and he's fine. He's (laughs) badder than ever. Um, But but this isn't the comics. So I right. Right. Like, sure. Will they probably do that? Yeah, I mean it's a machine like we were talking about before we recorded. Like Vincent D'Onofrio is a very marketable kingpin. Um, yes. So there's a good chance he'll still somehow be back, and I'm fine with that. Like I I, I love mm-hmm. him in that role, but I also did like because I felt like this was important for Maya's character, and I guess yeah. regardless of whether she kills him or not, right? She does shoot him. Like the intent I think is to kill him in that moment. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, yes. <laughs> I I honestly thought Kate killed him. Like when she, you know, does the cool flick and sets off the bomb arrow and he goes flying. I've, I was like, oh, my God, Kate just killed Kingpin. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then no, he runs off. And I was like, oh, OK, that makes sense. I'm like, oh, crap. M- Maya kills Kingpin. And then and then you hear the Internet and you're like, Jesus, I guess he can't be killed. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I guess that's the whole point of his character is that, you know, he's just this huge man who will just like take an arrow to the to the gut yeah. and be like i'm fine this is fine you <laughs> just right. walk it off yeah yeah, yeah. So I, I you know i think in the story itself there's something important about like i yeah i think i think my interpretation of the show as it stands is maya kills him he's dead you know and mm-hmm. and until we're shown or told otherwise I think he's dead. I don't care what the comics say. This isn't the comics. Clint doesn't have a family in the comics. This is a very different story, right? Yeah. Like, so I think for the purpose of the story, like, you know, as Kazi is dying in her arms, 
he says right. he's coming for you, right? And he encourages right. her to get away. So it, to me, it's like she gets ahead of the game because she goes for him right away. Like she's not even going to give him the time of day to come after her. She's going to go right to him. Boom. Mm-hmm. How is she going to be freed of this life that Kazi didn't think you could be free of? She kills him. Like that's right. my interpretation of what happens. Will will he come back? There's a very good chance. But for the purpose of this story, he's dead in my opinion. Yeah, that's kind of what I was feeling too, where it's like, you know, Kazi telling her to run and she's just like, no, I got this. Yeah. And, and then, of course, they can't have Kate because Kate is a hero. You know what I mean? She can't murder a man, even if he's a quote unquote bad guy. Only quote unquote, only villains can kill other villains. You know what I mean? Right. Um, it's a little different when they're robots. Like, uh, you know, yeah. uh, Vision was able to kill Ultron, you know? Right. I, I, the, right. the, these th- these things are weird in uh you know when it comes to the Disney machine they have very particular rules about you know who heroes are allowed to kill and it's like they can kill aliens and they can kill uh, robots but uh, they can't kill other people so um it, it didn't surprise me when it's like oh he got away but he, this you know villain is going to finish him off right you know what I mean yeah. yeah. But I guess that's me bringing meta knowledge to it. <laughs> yeah, that's not, and that's not necessarily fair. That's not necessarily playing by the rules, you know. You know. Yeah. So yeah, I was pretty, uh, pretty uh, pleased to see Kingpin back. I guess you know, let's uh, let's spend this whole Hawkeye podcast talking about Kingpin. But I, I was delighted. I was delighted. Have you have you seen the Netflix? Uh, the ol- uh, what's it called? Daredevil. Yeah, yeah, that's the only Netflix Marvel show I've seen. So really, it, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm embarrassed to say because I do really want to watch Jessica Jones. I've heard such. Good I was things. gonna say Carl. I know. I'm embarrassed. Jessica Jones. I'm super Carl. embarrassed. I know. I know. I watched some of Luke Cage. I didn't really care for it, so I just never finished it. But mm-hmm. and I think I saw one episode of Iron Fist, and I thought it was atrocious so i didn't go back to that either <laughs> um but uh mm-hmm. yeah i actually started I, I rewatched a few episodes of daredevil after kingpin came back here too um because i still think he was he was more the highlight to me in that show than charlie cox's daredevil um, yeah i i enjoyed vincent oh, d'onofrio more um like immensely well you more. know so. Oh, Carl, you know me. I'm a sucker for villains. I'm just, <laughs> oh, I'm an absolute sucker for villains. And then when they're like, hey, let's do a whole flashback episode where he's just a sad boy with a mean dad. I'm like, yep, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. That's how you get me immediately invested. <laughs> and then, you know, he had uh, yeah, Wilson Fisk. He has this whole, uh, you know, wonderful villain romance going on with a woman named Vanessa, you know, and she she knows exactly who he is and she walks into her relationship with him with open eyes, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was just in love with their dynamic. So that was something I was very invested in. And then when this show brought up like, Oh, we're going to quite possibly bring, you know, this version of the character, you know, not back to life because he didn't die in, in the Netflix version, but you know, we're going to kind of, you know, breathe some new life into the the Netflix series, which, you know, for all intents and purposes have just been kind of, you know, left on the back burner, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When they're like, we're going to, you know, welcome these characters into, let's call the sacred timeline. I was very excited because I was like, oh, we can get some, some more closure and, you know, really, uh, you know, dig into what happens with Wilson and Vanessa. I, I, 
I was here for it. I was really excited. And of course, then that plays into my disappointment with how his character ends this season. Um, but I don't know. On my second rewatch, you know, going in with an open mind and, you know, being like, maybe this isn't the end of his character. Maybe this is just, you know, the reintroduction and it's going to be okay. I quite like what they're doing with him and his relationship with Maya. Um, you know, he he has very little screen time. He's only really in one episode, mm-hmm. the finale. Right. And 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 I think they used it to their to their full advantage, at least as far as like his character work goes. I think he, if if they're just laying foundation, they're laying like, okay, we're going to talk about him more. We're not done with Wilson Fisk. This glimpse that we get into his character where he's very much about family. That's where he's at right now. He um, has kind of built up this family of Maya, of Kazi, and even to an extent, uh, you know, Kate's mom, Eleanor. You know, his, his crime family is his family. It's the only family he has. And so when Eleanor is like, I'm going to walk away from this, he reacts so poorly. Mm-hmm. He's like, she thinks she can quit her job like she works at Goldman Sachs. You know, you can't you can't quit a family. You know, not I mean you can. You can walk away from horrible abusive, you know, situations, but you know, if you're invested in a family, you can't just quit on them, right? Yeah. And and he is invested in his family. Mm-hmm. You know? And so when when Eleanor treats their relationship like a job Oh no, he he can't handle that. He absolutely can't handle that. And then that theme, you know, comes up again when he's looking down the barrel of Maya's gun and he's saying, "Hey, we're family and family doesn't always see eye to eye." I'm intrigued by that and I want to see that needed out. I I want to see it pay off. The idea that Wilson Fisk is now like this family man. And I'm like, "Well, what happened to Vanessa? <laughs> Where is she?" You know, I I'm interested, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. Well, I yeah, I mean, I think as people have insinuated, I wouldn't be surprised if he finds his way back into the MCU. And right. you know, I've always thought too the, the at least from my knowledge of Marvel, the biggest kingpin hero battle was always with Spider-Man. Um, so mm, I mean, I'd mm-hmm, still love mm-hmm. to see them intersect at some point. You know, Tom Holland and Vincent D'Onofrio on screen, I think, would be pretty. Pretty epic. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what they would have to do with each other. I don't know. I don't I don't, uh, yeah. That's interesting, though. Right. Yeah, right. Other than the fact that they're both in New York, you know. Yes. So, <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, that's the thing. Is that you know, mm, mm, yeah, they're both in New York, and kind of perhaps I'm wrong, but I kind of thought the metaphor that that you go for with Wilson Fisk is that. You can't kill crime. You know, not really. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You can't stop crime forever, right? And that's why Wilson Fisk keeps coming back. That's why you can riddle him with bullets and he keeps coming back, right? Because you can't ever really stop crime. And he's the kingpin. He's, you know, the embodiment of crime itself. Maybe I'm wrong, but that was kind of my read or my take on the character. And so... Spider-Man, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man up against that kind of embodiment. That's interesting to me. Hmm. Yeah. I, and I mean, I only bring that up because the, uh, I mean, 
my favorite Marvel cartoon growing up was the Spider-Man cartoon from the nineties. And obviously he runs into Kingpin a lot in that. So, you know, I was oh, nice. used to the story of Spider-Man intersecting with, with Kingpin. Um, doesn't mean it's going to happen here, sure. you know, but well, it, like, you know, Marvel, Marvel just kind of keeps getting bigger and bigger with its movies where it's like, you know, uh, you know, first, first we're, we're fighting robots and, and that's, you know, a, a really big deal. You know, that's kind of the, the peak of, of, of their, uh, their, their bad guys, I guess, what was robots for a while. And then it's like, no, now we're fighting stuff from space and now we're in space and now we're fighting Titans and now we're fighting, no, 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 no. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And now we're, we're like with the Eternals and it's like, we're, we're going to fight like actual ancient beings that crafted the universe apparently. But within all of that, we still need these kind of like street level heroes, mm-hmm. like Spider Man. Yes. you know, yeah. and and for those street level, uh, I don't know, conflicts, you need more street level villains, and I think Kingpin fits that niche perfectly. Absolutely. Well, and to that point, Katie, I think just in a nutshell, that's exactly why I loved this story. Um, mm-hmm. I love that it was kind of a self-contained story on the street level, you know, right, um, having, right. having watched Eternals, you know, uh, to be fair, I didn't see it in theaters, but I did see it, you know, as soon as it came out on Disney plus, I thought it was fine. It really wasn't my, my cup of tea. Um, and, and, but to that point where it's just, you know, and even with Loki, right? Like this whole idea of, you know, all these different universes and timelines intersecting. And then we literally get the, the breaching of that and Spider-Man no way home. So right, it is, it's like yeah. the story is just so big. And, and I, I think they're doing a great job with it, but these are my preferred kind of stories. Um, and uh, I, yeah, I just, I love that. It just like brought us right back to the, to the roots of a superhero story. Um, right. And that's why I loved this is because Kate, Bishop is all of us who love superheroes, right? right? Growing up, idolizing heroes and what happens when we interact with them? What happens when we finally get to meet them and how does that shape us and change us and how do we change them, right? The fact that Kate is able to have such a huge impact on who Clint is and Clint's journey of kind of uh, penance, if you will. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. The, it's it's just such a remarkable story. And that's exactly why I loved it. Um, and it's it's not that I don't want the big stories, but I think we, I, I think everything in moderation is good. Um, so after all these kind of big grand stories, um, to be fair, Shang-Chi wasn't that big and grand either. Um, although it gets there, there's dragons and different. I was going to say yeah. he rides a dragon. It, yeah, it does get very yeah. Marvel at the end. That's true. Um, like imagine do, Kate riding a dragon. Oh, she would be so good at it. She'd be yeah, so right. good at it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, but that's exactly why I, I loved this story. Um, is it just, you know, it, it brought us right back down to this kind of rooted story. Um, about, you know, about the desire to become a hero. Um, and so if you, if you don't mind, Katie, something I'd kind of love to go to first is, and actually, I mean, you brought this up, this point with Kingpin himself and, and, uh, you know, wanting a family. And I feel like so much of this story has to do with, uh, these interactions between, people and a parent figure. So for Maya, mm-hmm. it's her 
complicated relationship with with Kingpin. Uh, for Kate, it it's it's her complicated relationship with her mother, um, and you know, in an interesting way, I almost feel like. Clint becomes also a father figure for Kate. Um, I found it really mm-hmm. interesting. So in the comic world for Kate Bishop, her kind of grand adventure is always centered around her father and her father is a criminal. Um, and as she discovers that she needs to take him down, but it's a hard thing to do because how do you arrest your father? Well, Kate does it with her mother here. Um, so yeah. they, they kind of play with that differently, but um, I actually finally today watched all the deleted scenes that are on Disney Plus, and there's a really good deleted scene um, from when Kate is a little girl. And I was, the little girl that plays young Kate Bishop, I think, is just adorable. Um, and it's this really cute scene of her her dad coming home from that trip, and she sets up this little maze for him to follow around. And she's just she. It's very clear that like she is obsessed with her dad much more so than her mother, um, mm-hmm. and. You know, when those aliens attack, when the events of the first Avengers movie start happening, she sees Clint. She goes looking for her father. She can't find him. And then she looks out the window and sees this man. Um, And I don't know, like, I I don't know if you saw it that way at all, Katie. Um, But I almost feel like in some ways, Clint becomes he's he's both her hero and kind of a father figure because it's very clear both from that deleted scene and even the little bit that we get in the first episode that Kate idolizes her dad. Um, Mm -hmm. So when he is killed, uh, Clint steps into this role as hero dad in a way. Um, That's kind of how I saw it. I'm curious what you thought. I have a couple of thoughts. Um, Cause yeah, I I went back, you know, and and I rewatched that scene actually pretty closely, maybe too closely. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, the um, Eleanor and Derek, uh, Kate's parents are having an argument downstairs because uh, they're in quite a tough spot. We'll, we later find out in the finale that uh, Derek is in massive debt to Kingpin. Uh, Eleanor's solution to this is like, well, let's sell the penthouse. Yeah. Uh, And Derek's like, no, no way. We can't do that. You know, and, and that's when they realize that Kate is eavesdropping and she's quite distressed. And Derek says, you know, to his wife, he's like, do you do you want to go take care of this? You want to go talk to our daughter? Um, and Eleanor says, who are we kidding? You go like. So, yeah, it's it's obvious that, you know, Kate is uh, I don't know, it is more easily comforted from by her dad at the very least. Uh, and. and I don't know. I find I find that interesting where it's like implied that she kind of has this tougher relationship with her mom because then after the dad goes and, and comforts Kate, Kate goes back downstairs, has breakfast with her mom and her mom says, you know, moms can be fun, too. And, you know, she makes her daughter laugh by uh, by like flicking food into her mouth. You know, it's cute. And uh, and then she sends Kate off to go get a board game so that, you know, they could have fun together. And while Kate runs off to get the board game, that's when the aliens attack. And the first person that Kate calls for is her mom. Mm-hmm. You know, she just, she starts going, mommy, mommy. You know, she doesn't call for her dad for a while, actually. She's screaming mom. So I thought that was interesting that when she's in distress, she doesn't call for the fun parent. You know, she calls for the responsible one. You know, so like, yeah. even though her dad would say, you know, say things like, oh, in a storm, I'll always protect you. 
you know, it was interesting to me that, you know, when, when the bomb goes off, essentially the one that Kate calls for is her mom. Wow. So yeah, point. that, that, I don't know. That was just interesting, but then you're right. When she can't find her father, when she can't find either of her parents, she looks up and she sees Hawkeye, you know, trying to, you know, fight back the, the alien invasion. And that becomes very inspirational to her. Right. So yeah, he, we talked about this when we talked about Cobra Kai, about how parenthood, you know, at some point becomes uh, a, a matter of mutual agreement. You know, somebody has to want to be a parent to you and you have to want to let them parent you. And I think this whole series is Kate being like, hey, you want to be my dad? You want to be my dad? You want to be my dad? <laughs> and by the end, Hawkeye finally says yes, because he literally says, I'm, I'm proud of you. You know, yeah. at the end of it, he says yeah. that the way like a father would, right? you know, and gives her kind of that validation that, you know, parental validation that she's been looking for. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, like I said, I had a lot of thoughts. I had a lot of thoughts about how she calls for her mom and then and then, yeah, how she looks at Clint as like a new parent. Yeah, it's all it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And well, and then, you know, I had some Bruce Wayne vibes at the funeral for her dad when, you know, she says to her mom, I, I'm going to defend you. I'm going to protect you. You know, I, I'm going to make sure that this never happens again. Right. It's very Bruce Wayne when he yeah. swears his oath when his parents are gunned down. Um, I mean, very different. Uh, she doesn't say it with this dreary like <laughs> I'm going to become a creature of the night. But she's gonna, <laughs> but she's going to be a superhero like Clint Barton. And, and you know, she's going to keep the people she cares about safe. And there's always this back and forth between her and Eleanor throughout the series about who's supposed to keep who safe. Right. And Eleanor, her mom is always like, that's my job, Kate. I'll keep you safe. Right. That's why Eleanor is all in on the Kingpin stuff when we get to the modern day is because, you know, for her, this has always been about doing, doing right by Kate. And as soon as Kate is threatened by that lifestyle, she does try to get out of it. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. and, and when she has that sit down with Kingpin, you know, that's the reason she wants to to get out. It's not because it's not serving her well or she's in danger of being caught. It's because Kate is about to be affected and she won't do that to Kate. Um, yeah. Gosh, I find it. I find all of that, that entire situation so interesting. So, yeah, Eleanor sits down and she's like, I want out because my daughter is getting too close to all of this. You know, and she's like, I've paid back my husband's debt 10 times over. And then Kingpin, uh, you know, retorts and you've done very well for yourself. So I, I'm wondering how much of Eleanor's motivation was, you know, keep Kate safe, keep her in a life of wealth and affluence, you know, giving her all of these opportunities. But then how much of it was also about Eleanor also not wanting to be poor again, you know, mm -hmm. because she, she keeps saying to her daughter, you know, I know what it's like to have nothing. I know what it's like to be poor and you couldn't handle it. You Kate could not handle growing up being poor. And I'm like, well, you don't, you don't know that you could have maybe sold your husband's penthouse. You could have, you know, paid back this debt without getting involved with the mob you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know the particulars of that situation, you know, if the ability to get out of this debt was even an option for her. We don't know. But we do know is that she did get more involved and, you know, it wasn't just about repaying the debt. It was actively, you know, she had active gains from being involved with Kingpin. Mm -hmm. 
You know what I mean? So like she, she could have raised Kate poor. She had that option, but she chose not to, she chose not to. Right. And I just find that very interesting where it's all like, you think that Kate couldn't handle being poor, but maybe you're the one who couldn't going back to that kind of life. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Oh, I I never actually thought about that particular angle. Um, Mm -hmm. Honestly, it's hard for me to, to, to really say, I think I I appreciate your point though, that it, it it seems like it's more about Eleanor than it is about Kate. You know, she doesn't want to go back to that. And, um, and I don't know. I feel like once you've had a taste of the high life, it's probably hard to walk away from that. I mean, I don't know. I've never lived it, but (laughs) 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 I imagine it would be kind of hard. Um, you know, and I mean, I think, I think there's a lot of credibility to, to money corrupts. Like I, I just, I do, you know, I mean, I've, I've seen it in my own life with people that get really good jobs and then just keep doing like kind of weird, questionable things so that they can keep their high paying job and just like, well, who the hell are you now? Um, anyway, but, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it is interesting. The thing that I kind of latch onto though, on that dynamic, Katie, is the fact that Eleanor always assumes she knows what Kate is capable of. And that's what drives me nuts is um, that experience. And I know it too well. When your parents try to tell you, regardless of age, sometimes that they know what you can do, they know who you are, and it's like, no, you don't. <laughs> like, and also, you don't get to say that. You don't get to predetermine that, right? Um, and I, take this back again to, to Cobra Kai when you know the the Larussos have um, uh, Miguel and his mother over for dinner, and you know they're going on and on about Sam's life path. And it's just like, whoa, right? Sam is pissed off because it's like, you don't get to decide all that for me. Um, And I think uh, what's so interesting for me with Kate is so many times in the show when Eleanor says, you're not a superhero. Like what a kind of miserable, like what a horrible thing to say. And like, I know part of it is is, it's, it's informed by Eleanor's desire to protect Kate, right? Like they now live in a world of superheroes and they see the consequences of superheroes. So Kate, obviously, you know, Eleanor wants to keep her daughter safe, but at the same time, she, she has such a limited vision of who Kate can be. Um, so I love that, you know, I mean, in, in that final encounter, when she hands Eleanor over to the police, essentially, and she says, how do you know what I'm capable of? Right. Like, right. Yeah. Kate sees what she can become, whereas Eleanor only sees what she predetermines. Right. And that's so limiting. Um, so I love Kate's desire to break free of that. Um, yeah. No, absolutely. Like, uh, it's it's really interesting when you prop up Eleanor versus like Maya's father mm-hmm. who tells mm-hmm. Maya that, you know, you need to be a dragon and you need to walk in both worlds. You know, the Maya, you know, having so many physical limitations, you know, she's deaf and she has a prosthetic limb. She has these physical limitations, but that doesn't mean that her spirit is limited. Right. Yeah. And I think that ties in directly to what Eleanor is telling Kate, you know, Eleanor's always telling Kate, you can't handle being poor. You can't be a superhero. And she's not talking about physical limitations. You know, we all have physical limitations and, you know, that's, that's not a shameful thing. Our spirits though, our spirits are boundless. 
you know, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go through hardship and, you know, and, and we'll, and we'll rise up from those hardships. And I think our, our parents <laughs> ideally should believe in us and believe in what our characters are capable of, you know? Yeah. And then that's what, that's what Maya's father tells her. He always believed in her. He believed that her spirit was indomitable and that she could do anything and be a dragon. And then meanwhile, Kate's mom is just all like, mm, I mean, I'll get you the karate lessons, but you're not a superhero and you never will be like, come on, mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, I, the, the scene when, um, it, it going back to something you, you said earlier, uh, which I just totally just went over, just went past me was the reality that when those, when the, the attack on New York begins and she's yelling for her mother, I just, I just went over my head. But what's interesting though, is when Clint breaks up with her, that's what I call that scene on the rooftop. Um, you know, not a romantic <laughs> breakup, but he breaks up with her. He's like, we're done. Go home. We're not partners. Get out of here. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's clearly doing that to keep her safe, um, which probably is also equally irksome to her because it's like, I've already got one parent that's doing this and limiting me. Don't be like my mom, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. But, but she goes home and cries to her mother. And what I found really brilliant about the scene when, when Eleanor is kind of bandaging her up and she says to Kate, you know, did he think you were a superhero? And Kate says, no, and I don't either. The way she says, I don't either. Again, I, I don't know if this is in the direction or it's just Haley Steinfeld being a brilliant actor. But when she says, I don't either, pay attention to the way she delivers the line. It's very high pitched, like a little girl. Like, Aww. it's almost like it's almost like she regresses in that moment to being this child in need of protection. Um, but mm -hmm. that's not who Kate is anymore, right? Like, there's nothing wrong with needing to be protected, but just the way she yeah. delivers the line, I don't think so either. Like, she says it like a little girl that's just defeated. And, and I just I just love the brilliance of how Haley delivers that line. Um, and no, then, of course, so right. yeah. yeah. And and then, of course, though, like, is the is we get we get to uh, I, there's so many brilliant things about this show, Katie, and I know I'm not we're not gonna be able to get to to, to half of them. But when, yeah. <laughs> when she's laying in her bed in that episode, this is episode five, when she wakes up, just the way they even shoot that, her getting up out of bed, it's it's all out of focus until she sits up fully in bed and then it comes clear into focus as if that's that's Kate's perspective of she's getting focused. And what does she finally focus on? That tiny little bow hanging on her wall. And she immediately yeah. starts remembering all of the the possibility that exists in her. And she's not going to be, you know, she's not going to be pigeonholed. She's she no longer believes that that little lie she told her mom the previous night about I don't think so. That, that's that's gone. The truth is yeah. she does think <laughs> so. And that's what I love about her. Yeah. She she sees the superhero inside of herself and you know she kind of always did. You know? Mhm. Mm <sighs> Yeah. And that's really important and that's really good cuz no she doesn't have super strength. You know, she she's not, you know, she doesn't have suit, you know, or anything like that, but it's like this is what I can do. Yeah. You know, I can shoot an arrow. I can, you know, she is not helpless, you know. Right. <sighs> right. Yeah. Yep. Um well, you know, and 
I want to kind of, I mean, looking at the other Hawkeye in the story, looking at Clint's story, Clint's story. Oh is, yeah. He's is, here too. Yeah, yeah. But his story is all about, I think it, it's about the dealing with the trauma of losing Natasha coupled yeah. with who he became. Like I, what I, what I found to be one of the most powerful messages in this story and I know I sent this to you the other day because I just finished rewatching it and it just like I was like, oh, my gosh, I love the story. And here's why is ultimately Clint sees himself as a monster, like deep down because of his time as Ronan. I just he sees himself as unforgivable. He doesn't know why Natasha would have would have taken that sacrifice instead of him. Right. He's worthless. She still had life and promise. She didn't become mm-hmm. a monster like him. Mm-hmm. And it's like Kate Bishop's love of him, like adoration in the form of love of him is really what helps redeem him. It's really what brings him back, right? Like it's the most powerful, you know, story in, in all of human history is the power of love. And Kate is able to show Clint that he is not just a monster. Um, so, you know, I, I, I mean, I really, really enjoy how we kind of first meet Clint and he's at the, the Rogers musical <laughs> and which is just absolutely brilliant. The marvelous, the Marvel's assembled episode about the making of Hawkeye has an entire segment on, on uh, how they oh, created. The musical. It's so good. Of um, course. <laughs> and, uh, but I love that Clint essentially is sitting there with his hearing aid off, right? He's, yeah. he's, he's so detached from it. And as soon as he sees the, you know, the actor playing Natasha, he just has to leave. Um, and one of my favorite little moments in the whole series, Kate, is when his daughter goes outside to be with him. And uh, I don't remember the the character's name, but I know it's it's the Russo's daughter, <laughs> you know, the one that plays his daughter. And she comes out and says, we all miss her dad, but she was your best friend. Right. Like she just oh, yeah. she just gets him so much. It's so sweet and it's so beautiful. But that's that's Clint's whole journey is is trying to find some sense of redemption for being the Ronin. Um, you know, what, what did you think of Clint's story? First, I want to toss you a question cause I can't get it out of my head. Yeah. And maybe there's no answer. How come Kate's mom has to go to jail, but Clint doesn't. That's a great question. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like Kate's mom has to go to jail because she murdered someone. Mm-hmm. And they constantly bring up the fact that Clint murdered a lot of someone's. So is it because he's an Avenger? He's been deputized to go and murder wantonly. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, is that, is that it? Is that, like I said, maybe there's no answer. Yeah. So I think in part there is no answer. I mean, I think maybe a very surface level response would be, well, nobody still knows he's Ronan except for Kate his okay. wife um, and the Avengers, they're not going to turn him in. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think for Kate, she, she definitely can't. So I think, so maybe just there's that one practical element. And so maybe, I mean, maybe if the authorities found out who Ronan was and it's, it's even clear in like that very first episode when Kate puts on the costume and people catch her on their smartphones and it's on the news, they're like the Ronan who's not been seen in years, like, whose identity is still unknown. Right. So Nobody yeah. knows that Clint was Ronan except a select few. So unless they turn yeah. him in 
And but I mean, you but you could raise the question: Why isn't Clint turning himself in? Right? Like, yeah, why doesn't Kate turn turn? You know, Kate turns in her mom. Yeah, but she doesn't turn in Clint. I mean, I right. guess you know, she forgives it's kind him. of to your point that he's been looking for a redemption, and you know, she forgives Clint. She sees Clint as good, you know, and she kind of doesn't have that faith in her mom. Maybe it's you know, faith, faith um, begets faith. Where Clint had this immense faith in Kate to, you know, step up to the challenge and, you know, and be a hero. And her mom did not. So Kate shows faith in Clint and does not, you know, in her mother. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. she returns Clint's faith and, you know, and then shows her mom none, which is, you know, it's hard. It's tough. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I, I- I, I think kind of dancing around that question is I think I think one of the best scenes in the show as well. I mean, I'm going to keep saying best scenes because there's so many of them, but <laughs> yeah, uh, they're all the best scenes. <laughs> the, the scene when Yelena goes to her apartment and they have their right. conversation. I think what y- Yelena presents to Kate is a fun. She she calls into question her firm conviction that Clint is good. Exactly. Yelena is though she is there to call that into question. In fact, she raises that very question again to Clint in their fight in the finale. Why did you deserve it? And Clint says, I didn't. Right. Like, why did why why did you why did you deserve for her to die? Um, But I I mean, I love that scene with Yelena so much because she does. I and. And when I so I'm going to make a comparison and it it is not meant to be a, a completely parallel comparison, but. Sure. Yeah. Um, coming up for Christians is the season of Lent. The first story Christians typically look at for the season of Lent is the story of Jesus's temptation, right? And he's being he's being tempted in this. It, all the temptations are about getting at something at the core of how Jesus understands himself. Um, Yelena is kind of stepping in in that way in this scene with Kate. And again, I'm not I'm not saying Yelena's the devil. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but she, she plays that part because she calls into question those deep convictions. Um, and that's not an evil thing, by the way, you know, the devil in these scripture stories often gets misunderstood anyway. But that said, the, the whole idea of those stories is just to provide a temptation in the sense of calling into question, how do we truly understand ourselves? So what mm-hmm. Yelena presents to Kate is. Because she even she even says she's you really don't know him, do you? You know, yeah, and, you and yeah, she's calling that all into question. And Kate does know. I mean, it, you know, the previous episode she learns from Clint he was Ronan. His and his surface level answer why he did it. We all dealt with the blip in our own way, right? Like right, yeah. that's a pretty horrible way to deal with it, though. It's just to, yes, he you know he killed bad guys, but he still killed lots of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I think one of the, ge- I mean, you know, bad guys, but like try telling Maya that her father exactly. was a bad guy, right? you know, yep. like, come on. And I mean, you know, how much would Kate's own father have fit that description? Yep. You know, why was he in such massive debt to Kingpin? What was he responsible for? You know what I mean? And, you know, if Clint had showed up and killed Kate's dad, you know, would she still be all like, oh, it's all right. He's a good guy. He was killing bad guys. You yeah. know, would she still say that? Yeah. 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 So uh, yeah, no, Elena's one hundred percent like throwing doubt into there. You know, some much needed doubt. We should right. ask these questions, like why do we still think Clint is good? Why are we still cheering for him? You know, I mean, and obviously we do cheer for him. We want him to make it home for Christmas. We want these kids <laughs> to have their yes. dad, you know? 
Yeah. Well, uh, but yeah, and I really liked her question of what about my sister? Was she collateral damage? Yes. Yes. Yeah, because oh. yeah, right, because and Kate is so young and she says, you know, when on that, you know, when you are a hero doing these horror, you know, these big grand things, sometimes there's collateral damage and it's just like, whoa. Right. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. So I guess your father was collateral damage too then. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. She has this very, you know, yeah, childish, naive view of like, well, yeah, sometimes people are just going to die because superhero stuff. And it's just like, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, this really has me thinking to your point that you were making about like faith being rewarded and, you know, Clint had faith in Kate. So therefore she has faith in him. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in that scene between her and Yelena, when they're having that delicious mac and cheese um, (laughs) with Kate's one fork. um, (laughs) Yes. She, you know, when, you know, is, is Kate is continuing to try to make her case like he's he's he, but he is good. He's a good guy. He's an Avenger. I love when Yelena says, what does that word even mean? Yes. Right? So, I mean, she calls into question the saints of the Marvel Universe, if you will. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, again, I think there is such a genius to that. Right. Like, what does that even mean? It just means that you can just do whatever the hell you want is kind of what yep. Yelena's saying. Right. Um, and I, you know, I, I love that they, they just tackle that. So in your face and, and I think what I love about how Kate still wrestles, how Kate makes sense of it though, is she understands that no one is perfect, but she just, I think for Kate, she really does see the Avengers and specifically Hawkeye as these these saint like figures, right? Mm, like, mm-hmm. and in a lot of ways, and, and, you know, whether this is right or wrong is, is, is probably its own question. But for Kate, if, if Clint is the bad guy, if Clint is just the monster who was Ronan, what does that say about who she idolizes? Right. And what does that say about right. how she understands herself? So I think maybe in a, a kind of a pessimistic way, you could argue and just say, well, of course, Kate needs him to be the good guy because she's developed so much of her own identity with him being the good guy. Um, but I think my more pe- my more optimistic side says, yeah, because she holds that to be true, that you can still be a hero even if you've done some really bad things, right? Like yeah. it, it doesn't negate that at his core, Clint is good. And actually, Katie, there's a deleted scene, which I had no idea. And I, I really wish they put this back in the show. There's a deleted scene of Clint as a little boy. And, and and it's it's interesting because it really contrasts with Kate's experience as a child. So as a little boy, this the story develops that Clint was very poor. So again, an exact opposite of Kate, who grew up right. very wealthy. Clint mm-hmm. grew up poor, and it's this it's 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 like a three minute scene, and it's really good. And it follows him and his mother around, and she's like apparently they pull off these schemes where they rob convenience stores, and she you know she's constantly telling him it's okay to tell these lies because we need to do this. The rich don't care about us. We need to take care of ourselves. And eventually he turns he basically turns her in. So it shows oh. that even at an early age, like. He was, he, he just, you know, like he innately knows what is, what is good, um, even if it causes a sacrifice. And I thought, you know, obviously it, it then mirrors what Kate does with her own mom. So Clint turns his own mom in as a little boy because he's kind of sick of doing what's wrong. Um, so it was, a re- I, again, like it was a brilliant deleted scene that I wish they had kept in. 
Um, so yeah, you know, yeah, I know. That's interesting. I had no idea about that. Sorry. I'm quietly yeah. absorbing it cause I haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's a really great, it's a really great deleted scene. Um, there's also a really great deleted scene with the LARPers. Um, speaking oh, of, yeah. can we talk about them for just a second? I just Heck yeah. <laughs> absolutely love the LARP team. They are ba- they so those characters there they don't none of them have the same names as the characters from that comic book I rec- that I re- right. referenced. But those are her those become her anchor points. I would argue. Um, so I love that they kind of got this translation into the story. Um, they're just so funny. I in the finale when the police are kind of rounding people up. Um, and I feel like a jerk because the only one I can remember by name is is Grills, and it's probably because we hear his name a few times. But the mm-hmm. but the larger gentleman with the mustache, he's like, yeah, we just want to make sure you got it right. You know, we're with Hawkeye. We're basically Avengers. It was just it, was, it just kills yeah. me so much when he just goes, we're basically Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> it was oh my gosh, I, I don't know, okay, I don't I, I, here I am saying no, let's I talk about that. them. I don't it's have great. a lot to say, but I just I absolutely love. I loved the way they're used. And when, when Clint sends Kate to go talk to them about getting their arrows back and he goes, they're LARPers, they're, they're colorful. <laughs> You'll love them. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. This, I just have to point out, I mean, I don't have to, I just think it's interesting. Cause again, like kind of bringing this like meta knowledge to it, like Disney, Disney is so careful with how they use stuff like that in just a way that I find interesting. Maybe you will too, where they're like, Oh no, we just can't, we can't have these random civilians showing up and being all like, yeah, we're basically Avengers and we're helping out in this crisis. They specifically had to turn the LARPers into off duty cops and firefighters. Mm. So that when they do jump into that role, like helping other civilians and stuff like that, it's all like, oh, it's okay. They're cops and firefighters. <laughs> like they have training, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just, I, I can't not notice stuff like that. I, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> that's, a, that's a, you know, I didn't even think of that, but you're, you're definitely not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's yeah. just, it's, it's always fascinating to me when I can kind of see the, the Disney machine poking through. Do you know what I mean? Um, I mean, yeah. I do because you said it and I, it, I'm just going to continue in my na- naivete and say, I'm glad I don't see it. Because <laughs> <So, laughs> yeah. uh, again, I, I, it's like, it's not like you're wrong, but it's like, oh, I didn't see that. And I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and now you won't be able to unsee it. You'll be like, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Oh no, that's it's such a such a valid point. Um oh, goodness. So Katie, can I can I share with you my probably still my favorite scene in the whole show though? Please. And and cuz I it, there's so much meat in it. And it's it's a, so my favorite episode is episode 4. Um and it's the title of the episode is partners am i right Um, am i right (laughs) i but i love when kate goes over to celebrate christmas with clint um i again i mean the christmas energy in that scene is great uh her inability to know dry erase markers from not dry erase markers is hilarious (laughs) um but i just i love this scene because it's it's and there's several of these scenes throughout the series to be fair but they're such good character scenes and it's really about 
these scenes are really those moments where these characters are feeling each other out and they get to explain who they are, which by the way, this is something wildly lacking in all of book of Boba Fett, not to bring in star Wars, but like, that's why that, <laughs> that series just doesn't, that that'll never hold up to me the way Hawkeye does because there's no heart to book of Boba Fett like there is for Hawkeye. Um, all that aside in that scene though, you know, Kate, Kate learns how stinking important Natasha is to Clint, you know, mm. I, and I love it because they're, they're, they're having this, this fun, you know, there's all this levity and she's just kind of asking a fun question, you know, okay, best shot you ever took and his immediate response, right? And you knew he didn't, oops, I didn't mean to say that, but his immediate knee jerk response was the one I didn't take. Oh, yep. <laughs> and then just starts to divulge to her his story with Natasha. Um, mm -hmm. and, I, and because of the scene, I'm going to do a quick shout out as well for the music in this series. I absolutely loved the music that Christoph Beck does. He's the same composer that did WandaVision score. So it makes sense that I love it. Um, but when, when he's talking about Natasha dying, they play the exact same music that's played from that scene in Endgame when she dies. Mm. And mm -hmm. that music is then again used at the end of that episode when <laughs> Yelena throws Kate off the building. Clint runs and looks down and sees her hanging from the, the cord. And the music that plays there is the same music that plays during that scene in Endgame. Right. So it immediately triggers him and he knows he's got to get her out um, yeah, because yeah. he doesn't want that to happen again. Um, yep. so yeah, you know, goodness gracious. Uh, and it's also in that scene where Clint reveals to Kate that he's not a hero. He's a weapon. Right. And that's how he even understood himself as Ronan. Cause he, you know, I became Ronan, you know, I, I continue doing what I always do. And Kate says, Oh, protecting people. He's like, <laughs> no, hurting people. Yeah. And she's yep. like, but you're a hero. He goes, I was a weapon luckily pointed by the right people. Um, mm. right. But like, I, and as much as like, I, I've, I've still like, I don't love the first Avengers movie. Um, it's fine. Uh, but it's such a huge part for Clint's story. I mean, somebody goes into his head and turns that weapon the wrong way. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're right. So I just, I think that scene is so powerful because it's really where Clint tries to paint for Kate. I'm not who you think I am. I am not a hero. I'm a weapon. And a very flawed weapon at that. Um, so, I, yeah. I, it, any, any, any thoughts on that, Katie? <laughs> oh, there's so much. Yeah. No, I, I do did appreciate digging into, you know, what, what makes Clint, I don't know, what made him and Natasha click so much. You know, because we, we did a lot of digging into Natasha's trauma of, you know, being this this crafted weapon. And we never really talked about how Clint was much the same. But when we get these glimpses into him, it's just like, oh, this is this is why they worked. This is why they clicked because they they really understood each other. You know, it's like it's like Clint's daughter said, where it's just all like you you were her best friend. And that it, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, you know, to have somebody that really understands you like that, uh, that's a lot. And it, and it really makes you appreciate and understand just what they had and what losing her meant to him because he, he no longer really has that person 
you know, that understands him. I mean, obviously, you know, he likes his wife a whole lot, (laughs) you know, I, you know, I, I, but you know, they can talk about these things, but you know, your relationship with your wife and your relationship with your best friend are two different things and they fill different needs and that's okay. You know? So he kind of, he kind of is this person now that that doesn't have someone he can talk to about these things. Yeah. And that's hard. (laughs) You know, uh, uh, my, uh, my favorite scene was the climax with, uh, Clint and Yelena where they Mm. finally talk about what it meant to lose her. You know, that, that was the best one in my opinion. Yeah, say, just because it, it meant a lot and <laughs> yeah. it and it really hit emotionally, you know, when when Clint says, you know, well, Yelena keeps saying over and over again, you should have tried harder. You should have saved her. You should have, you know, all of this stuff. And then she turns that around and she says, I should have been mm-hmm. there. I could have stopped her. I could have saved her. And, you know, oh, just taking all of that guilt onto herself, you know, is really it's really hard. And Clint can see his own guilt, you know, reflected on her. And I think that's what finally opens him up and lets him say that, no, there was nothing anyone could have done to, to stop Natasha. You know, she made her choice. You know, and that's what he says to Elena. He says that, you know, Natasha made a choice and now we have to find a way to live with it. Yeah. And then Elena says, I loved her so much. Like, ah, Carl, I'm crying. <laughs> Yeah. She loved her yeah. so much and so did he. He they both loved her so much and you know that that their grief un- unites them, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of lets them forgive themselves. Yeah. Oh, that's that really hit me. That that absolution, not not just for each other cuz Elena does offer Clint absolution like she mm-hmm. forgives him because at the end of the day he was the one that was there he was the one at Natasha's side you know and kind of like as as Natasha's sister it's then like it's almost like she's the one that's been wronged and she's the one that needs to be all like I I forgive you you know yeah. but when they see the guilt in each other they're able to like forgive themselves. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I feel like I'm rambling. No, absolutely. A <laughs> thousand percent because, and I think just like you said, I think this is where Clint finds his absolution. Right. Um, yeah. It's be- like, he's on his knees. Yeah. You know, literally. it's this really beautiful shot yeah. where he's on his knees and she just reaches for him, you right. know? Ah, oh, yeah. It's, it's so very good. good. And, Again, just a shout out to like how much we are lucky to have Florence Pugh in the world, let alone in the MCU. Yes, oh, uh, we don't deserve her. We like, don't. We, we, we as a society do not deserve her, Florence Pugh. She's amazing. <laughs> yes. um, but the way she cries, though, it, it, she has this like high squeak that she emits for a second. I'm just, and that it makes me cry every time just because it's like she welcomes you into that grief with her. Right. Right. You know, that that's that's the power of a great actor, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, and 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 then she says, I love like you said, I loved her so much. And I love how perfectly I, I don't think Jeremy Renner gets enough credit for what a good actor he is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know I've, some people think he's not that impressive. I couldn't dis, I couldn't disagree more. I, I've loved everything I've seen him in. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, it was funny, my, my, one of my really good friends, her mom was in town this past weekend and she's a huge Jeremy Renner fan. So we were just geeking out about him a bunch the other night. So oh, that's <laughs> it was really cute. fun. Aww. Um, but, uh, 
when I, you know, I really wanted him to say something sappy, like, cause that's me. That's like Carl wanted a sappy comeback. Like I loved her so much too, but I love that he just played it as Clint Barton and just his me too was like, yeah, that's, that's all you're going to get from him. But yeah, but the emotion in his eyes, like he's not full on crying because he's not letting himself, but it's there. Um, well, it uh, just kind of feels like, you know, that would have been Natasha's reaction too if they were switched, you know, absolutely. where they're just these both very closed off people, but you can see the emotion in there, you know, like trying to get out. Yeah. It's really good. I think. Yeah. yeah I agreed. Agreed. And, you know, and when he puts his hand on her shoulder and says, I'm sorry, um, you know, and, and then she like, they just, they go their separate ways. Will they interact again? Who knows? Time will tell. I kind of hope so. Um, but yeah, she is, I think she is the vehicle of his redemption. And I think in a lot of ways, because of what we were talking about earlier, what she posed to Kate earlier, when she calls into question that he is in fact a good person, mm-hmm. the fact that she's able to see that he is in fact a good person, she is the product of him being able to find redemption. Um, if right. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's just so brilliant. Um, yeah. Oh, goodness. Uh, I just want, I just want Elena and Kate to get married and live in New York <laughs> and adopt a dozen dogs. <sighs> that's all I want. Just like that. That's the true end game of yeah. like the MCU is just Kate and Elena's wedding. <laughs> Call me Kevin Feige. Call me. <laughs> Their chemistry is unbelievable too uh, it's everyone so ships good. it <laughs> yeah it's so good um but uh yeah you know one one other thing that i thought was really and again it hit me this time doing my rewatch was how clint is because i'll be honest when when i watched the series the first time i was like i enjoyed maya but i didn't particularly love her character um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always the type where I'm just going to buy in on the main heroes. Like that's just how I am in stories. So it's, oh, sure, it's, it's yeah. nothing against the character of Maya and I've come to really love Maya and also really just love the story of the actor. This is the first time she's ever been in anything. <laughs> so holy shit. Oh yeah. You is, heard her, you heard her story, right? Yeah. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. Where, you know, they were, they were casting for, uh, you know, an indigenous deaf woman and her friends are like, that's just you. You should just go audition. Yeah. <laughs> And she did, and she got it because she's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, she, yes, she is. She's lovely. Oh, you but, love to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but as, as I kind of – like I said, I mean I, I, I binged the whole thing in one sitting this weekend. It's the first time I had done that. And nice. It, it, so you know, it just makes different connections when you're watching it all kind of in, in, in a quick succession. And I was like, all right, so why are they giving so much attention to Maya? Like she's, she's a well-developed – main character as well and it's in a lot of ways to me it was because she and kate represent two different ways of seeing clint right and yeah i love when they're oh sorry uh, well it's like when when clint goes and faces her dressed as ronin and she like i love the way she signs monster and viciously like viciously signs you're a monster Um, Because that's how she sees him. Because for her, Clint Barton as the Ronin is a monster. But Kate Bishop sees Clint Barton as Hawkeye, the hero. So it's and he's both of those things. Right. He is both. Yeah. Um, That's the complexity of a good character. 
so yeah, I mean, I, probably for several of you, you're like, uh, duh, Carl, that's pretty obvious from day one. I didn't get it until, <laughs> I didn't get it until day five, but <laughs> I did get it. No, that's um, okay. Yeah. I think there's a lot of strong parallels between Echo and Kate Bishop where it's like, uh, you know, they, they, yes, like you're saying, they have these two very d- different perspectives on our titular Hawkeye but then also there are these two young women trying to process the death of their father, mm-hmm. you know, and they both have very different ways of doing it where Maya's on this path of revenge and Kate is on this path of, you know, I- I'm going to help people. I'm going to try to do what my dad, does, you know, dad did. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's very interesting. And I think it's very strong. And I don't think that Kate's story or, or the Hawkeye story in, as a whole would have been as strong without Maya. Absolutely. And then, of course, it's just part of the Marvel machine where it's like, okay, you, you come to the show to see Hawkeye's story, but we're also going to kind of slide in this side character who's also getting a Disney Plus show. <laughs> hey, like, that, that's how the machine works. It's all a machine, partner. <laughs> Uh, and and we joined. Yeah, yeah, we joined. <laughs> DJ yeah, would be so disappointed. Um, uh, yep. <laughs> and and I think Maya also raises the whole question of how do we communicate? And yeah. um mm-hmm. and, and I hope that doesn't sound like an asinine thing to say because she's deaf. Um, but right, like she, her character, just the mere presence of someone who speaks it's AS, ASL, correct? Is that that's mm-hmm. what that's called? Um, right, like she is a deaf person. Um, I mean, it's just really neat. It, it, I, I guess, well, no, Eternals came out before this. So I guess Eternals was the first story to introduce us to, to the reality that this is a, a very common form of communication. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I, you know, it, it had me thinking just so as I was thinking about like how communication works in this story is. So episode three is really the episode where Kate and Clint have to learn to communicate and they have to do it because Clint lost his, his, uh, his hearing aid. And it's funny that Maya kind of mocks him for using it, right? Like you rely too much on that. Um, you know, she, she's, she's more comfortable in, 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 I guess, you know, again, in both worlds. Um, mm-hmm. To be fair, it seems like she was in that she was there from day one, whereas Clint, it's a new thing for him. Not not saying that that makes a huge difference, but um, I mean, yeah, everybody's story is different. And it's like, you know, I don't know. I, I prickled a little when she was like, you rely too much on it. And I'm like, girl, you don't know his story. You don't know how he's you know, come about his hearing loss and you don't know what. Yeah, you don't you don't know what it's like for him to try to now navigate these two worlds where, you know, she's been in it longer, she's been doing it longer. And I don't know. I I I don't know. Maybe it's not fair, but I did prick but because yeah. you don't know everybody's story. <laughs> Absolutely. For sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um but one another scene that I just adored I'll stop saying favorite because I've had like several. Um, but <laughs> no, you can keep thinking it'll be your favorite, favorite Carl. No judge. Yeah. Uh, but in that episode where he loses the hearing aid, and right, you know right. they have to learn to communicate during the car chase, and I, I've I've said this for years just on Wampus Lair, but I, just chase scenes just don't do it for me. I never get excited about a chase scene. But I really, oh, right. <laughs> but I actually enjoyed this one because it's a working out of their communication styles, and right. it just it's really fun to watch in that regard. 
But the capstone of it is because, again, it's still chasing. So at the end of the day, it's still not super thrilling to me. But what was thrilling to me, and this is, again, this is, again, the person who loves the balcony scene in Revenge of the Sith. Um, But what I thought was the best form of how they learn to communicate is when his son calls and Kate is writing down what his son is saying. I break down every time I watch that scene, Katie. It's so beautiful. It's really emotional. Yes. Yep. Um, And I think, again, like in that moment, Kate is Kate is idolizing him in a whole new way because she's seen him as a father. Right. She she's always idolized him as Hawkeye, the hero, the superhero Avenger. But now she Mm -hmm. also sees him as a fantastic father, which is something she still grieves having lost. Um, And. I think what was so brilliant is, is she's writing everything down. He clearly can't hear anything, but he is somehow just – he is so in tune with his son that he intuits love you more. He knew his son said I love you and he knew how to respond. I just <laughs> – I absolutely yeah. love that. Like Kate didn't have to write that down. Clint is so intuitive and he's so in tune with how much he loves his children. And I just – it's so beautiful to me. Um, I loved that moment. Uh, I'm not a parent, so I can't know what that's like, but I'm sure several of my friends who are parents probably do know what that's like. And that's lovely. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I just, I feel like, I feel like if I was, if if I couldn't hear what my beloved was saying on the other end of a phone, I might be able to guess anyway. (laughs) Yeah. That's I mean, that's another great, you know, for sure. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's just, yeah, you can, you can really. The acting and the writing was just so strong in that scene where, yeah, you could feel the love between the father and the son. And then Kate trying to act as a bridge between it was was also just really strong, you know, where, where the son is speaking and Clint can't hear. So she's, you know, writing down as fast as she can, you know, just kind of the, the general idea of what the son is saying. And then Clint, re- Clint re- responding as if he can hear his son, like, yeah. you know, so that his son doesn't know that something's wrong, right? There, He's pretending that he can hear his son. Uh, just, you know, just to keep, keep the kid happy, honestly. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it it really hit because it just read as one of those quintessentially human moments, which makes the MCU work because the moment that we forget that these are people and not, you know, just like these unobtainable icons, you know, the moment that we forget that they're people is the moment that we don't care about the MCU anymore, or at least me. Yeah. You know, I think it's moments like that, that keeps the MCU, going because you you root for these people inherently you know you don't yes we root for them to save the day we root for evil to be defeated and you know good to to reign but really we just root for you know people to go home for christmas you know what's (laughs) what's more human than that right absolutely yeah Yeah. Um, what i gosh hmm. that's what i loved about the end of endgame you know, was mm. just like getting to see the little moments like, you know, Scott reunited with his daughter and sitting there with hope, you know, getting getting to sit, sit with hope and with his daughter, you know, two people he hasn't seen in a long time, you know, that moments like that, that stick with me with, you know, make it go like, oh, right. This is why this is why I watch this. This is why I cheer for them and why I want them to triumph is for the little stuff like that, those human connections. Star yeah. Wars could never. 
you know, Star Wars, Star Wars be like, it's Ewok dance party or nothing. Yep. Me, how about we sit down for a minute and hug our loved ones? No. Uh. Ewok dance party or nothing? Okay. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> uh, well, uh. if there are just two more things I want to, and not to say that that's exhaustive and you're not allowed to say more than that, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I want to make, one of the other things I wanted to mention is I love the scene in the finale when they're making the arrows together. Um, and, you know, Hawkeye kind of lays it out for her because at this point he sees her like he he is recognizing, fine, you want to do this. It's yours. You should do it. You're capable. Yeah. And but he does, you know, he kind of he gives her the last little parting of like, all right, this is the final dotted line. If you really want to cash in on this is it's never convenient and it costs a lot. Are you ready? And before Kate says, I'm ready, she goes into this quick little basically her her interpreting her own story to Clint and how he is quintessential to how she understands herself. And she says, you know, when these aliens attacked, I was alone and afraid. And then I saw you and I saw that anyone can be a hero and I wanted to be one too. And I think in that moment, it is also again, like a beautiful little moment from Jeremy Renner. He gives this like little half smile. And I feel like, she telling the, telling her story to Clint and how formative he was and how she understands herself also I think breaks him open to seeing yeah I am I am forgivable right mm-hmm. like that I really I really mattered to somebody um, and yeah like I think another reason that I liked this story so much is I had such a personal resonance with Kate's adoration of Clint because I, there's a friend in my life that I look up to so, so much. Um, not in the same way as Kate. Like I don't, I don't idolize them as a hero who's like God tier, but it's somebody that I just, I look up to so much and I want to be so much like them in so many ways. And they're a very close friend. And when I look at her, I just, I, I can kind of reflect back of like, wow, that's what I'm capable of too. So that's, so that being the heart of this story really resonated for me because it's like, yeah, I, I, I get that. Like, I get what it's like to see someone in your life that's so amazing that they make you feel like you can also be amazing. Um, so, yeah, I, I really love that. <laughs> I love that element of this story as well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> mm-hmm. we, yeah, we all need that person who reminds us what we're capable of. Yeah. Yeah. And and until I, so I'll just round my, my final thought out because you made this, you know, to your great point, Katie, that this season ended so well because we got to breathe with our characters and get to reflect. And as you said earlier, you know, Clint really gives Kate that affirmation. I'm proud of you and holds his hand out for her to hold. It's so beautiful. But before he even says that, he says, and it's it's just, oh, I love this line where he says, um, hold on, I wrote it down. I want to make sure I get it right. Every once in a while, you come across someone in your life who just makes you better. I love that. And oh, I love that. Yeah, That's him talking to Kate. He doesn't say it to her direct. Like, he's trying to be cool, Clint Barton, but like, <laughs> he is talking about Kate. 
that she yeah. is a, she is a one in a million type of person to have come into his life and he and just to come from an avenger who's lived a wild life he's fought thanos like he's been in the stars and in the other planets and all these wild experiences and yet this young person he's sitting next to right now made his life better mm-hmm. in the matter of a week like yeah i love that moment so much and finally katie thank god we were allowed to have a story that just has a happy ending. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, I still love WandaVision. It's, it's still my favorite Marvel th- anything, um, but it's so heavy and, and that doesn't, that, and that's great. But th- yeah. thank you think- Hawkeye for daring to be happy. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. At, at Christmas at too. Christmas, at Christmas. No less. <laughs> Well, I think, yeah, I think that's the difference between like Wanda, a character that the MCU is still having a conversation about, and Hawkeye that I think they want to shuffle off into retirement. You mm. know, they're just, you know, but that's nice. I, I agree with you. It's, it's just, it's nice to see a happy ending finally, because, you know, at, at some point, you know, the story needs to end and we can't always end like Tony Stark with the character dying, you know, at at some point, sometimes we need to see the character just go off into retirement. And and, and that's hard to do in, in a series like the MCU, because, you know, then it it begs the question, you know, if if Tony Stark had just gone off into retirement, you know, it's like, I'm going to go raise my kid. The next time a Thanos comes stomping down, everybody's going to be like, why didn't Tony do anything? Where was Tony? Tony should have come out of retirement. And I'd be like, no, he's building a gingerbread house with his daughter. Leave him alone. You know, <laughs> yeah. but I think with someone like Clint, you know, where he's that kind of more low key, you know, street level hero. It's like, I think people are more OK with him going off and just raising his children. Right. You know, and that's nice. We need that. We need both. We can have the big heroic sacrifices like Tony, but then we also need the quieter, you know, the happy endings. Absolutely. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, Katie, I don't know if there was there. I'm very happy because I feel like I I got to say all my the big things I wanted to talk about with you. But I wasn't sure, you know, anything else, you know, you wanted to talk about. Uh, Let's see. I talked about Yelena and Kate adopting a dozen dogs. (laughs) That'll do it. Yeah, that'll do it. (laughs) So Clint is just going to enjoy retirement at home with Laura and his three beautiful children. And Kate and uh, Kate and Yelena will just live it up in New York uh, with their dogs. (sighs) Yes. Yes, you know. <laughs> you know, they live in the penthouse, yeah. they eat mac and cheese. You know what? I can imagine them as one pushes the furniture aside in the living room, and then they just sit on the floor and eat mac and cheese. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's like adorable. Love it. Uh, Katie, stop making <sighs> me like you. <laughs> Sorry, I can't help it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh. <sighs> Yeah. This is not cutlery. Sorry, I just like a million quotes from them. Like they everything they say to each other is like really shippable. Like, every, yeah, every second they're on screen together. Oh my is... god, when it was just all like, oh me, you killed me. Oh, Kate Bishop, you're so funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you keep saying my whole name because you know it? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious me. Uh, um, then, uh, they you know, eventually they like a children, and then it's all like, oh, tell them about when you thought you kill me 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Carl. So, so, yeah, I, you know, I, I mean, I had clearly adored this story for so many reasons. Um, and I, I mean, even the, the action sequences, which we didn't really go in any tremendous detail about, but that's fine. Um, but I mean, I enjoyed them. I loved the, the fight choreography of this. I mean, that rooftop fight between Yelena and, and Clint and Maya and, and Kate, like it's, it's just so well choreographed. Um, so many things about this are, are great. Um, but yeah, I think in a lot of ways, it just, you know, the fact that it did come out at Christmas time and, and wrapped right before Christmas, mm-hmm. um, it really, I know I texted this to you the other day, but it really felt like a Christmas present from Marvel. You know, it's it's been a really long couple of years because of the, the pandemic and everything. Yep. And here was just a really fun, light story. Um, yes, it obviously had its heavy elements to be sure, but at the end of the day, it was just the story of the power of believing in heroes, um, and, and how that belief in heroes can draw out the reality that you also are a hero, you know? So I loved it. I loved it too. (laughs) It was really good. (laughs) Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that's good then. Uh, I think we can just go off and start writing our fanfics about Yelena and Kate. Oh, I'm already starting. Oh, I'm writing Perfect. it down right now. All right, great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, Katie, thanks for thanks for continuing this super fun Marvel journey with, with me. And uh, thank you to all of you who listen. Again, uh, be sure to subscribe to Marvelous Musings uh, on wherever you get your podcast. Just subscribe, you know, you'll, so you can get our episode each month. Uh, Katie, I again appreciate you having these conversations with me, and always, regardless of when we're on air or not, like I just love being able to text you about all these things all the time. Oh, same. Yep, same, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> so again, everyone, thank you so much for checking out this episode of Marvelous Musings on Hawkeye for Katie. I'm Carl, and we'll see you next time as we muse about the marvelous world of wonder. Wonder.